Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric. Have we done this show before? Um, I feel like it's been a thousand uh, years. One million years. Truly, the first thing I wanted to talk about was Parasite sweeping the Oscars. And the Oscars were... That was last year? That was... Ten years ago? Uh Uh-huh. I think the last time they had the right. Oscars was 10 years You're ago. Right, yeah. So <laughs> that's fun. Guys, I got sick mm. and I had the flu, so yeah. I, I could not do the show. I didn't really have a voice. Um, yeah, it was funny. You texted me and you're like, hey, just a heads up. I have the flu, so maybe I cannot do the show. And I was like, well, do, yeah, we're definitely not Can doing the show. Can we please not do the show, do the show so you don't give flu. me the flu? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then you texted me the night before and we're like, okay, we're definitely not recording because I blew my voice out at a show. At and a I show. was like, Oh, well, that's better than having the flu. You're like, no, no, I have the flu. Currently have the and flu. And I blew my voice out because I went to a show, and infecting th- hundreds of people. It's probably. not like an improv show. Like, I can't not show up <laughs> for a sketch show right, right. that I'm acting in because <laughs> right. no one knows my uh-huh, lines. Uh-huh. So the show just would not happen. Right. So I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often. You just do it with the flu. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about that the other day when you did the show, and I was like, I don't, like, I, I don't remember ever seeing like a sketch show and then being like, oh, hey, like, shit happened people couldn't make it like the only time you had a show that got moved because of uh somebody's family death but even that was like they gave me hours notice right this would have been truly like sorry guys yeah so Uh, like like I'm surprised I haven't seen that happen more often. It's just like, because people get sick. I mean, like, that stuff happens. Yeah, well, but it's just like, you just got to do shows, it. shows, that's why you have understudies. Right. So that can't happen. Small, uh, uh, free shows. <laughs> you just we have, ain't a free show. Well, I mean, you're doing it for free. Sure. sure, <laughs> sure. Yes, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. The show is not free. You are doing it for <laughs> yeah, free. I get none of that money. Right. Yeah. For sure. Uh, but, like, that's just like, no, you just got to come with the flu and yeah. hope nobody else gets sick. Sucks. Yeah, I saw one of the actors the other day, and he was like, "Oh, uh, the show went well," and I was like, "Oh, really? I don't remember any of it. <laughs> not a, not a lick." New York comedians are all like basically always having the equivalent of uh, like Michael Jordan's flu game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every <laughs> single show. It's just always performing under the worst conditions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, how you doing? Uh, good. Before we get to uh, Ricky Rex. Yeah, just busy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, working a lot. I mean, working the normal amount, but it's at night, so it feels worse. Working the normal amount for an American, right? For any other country, um, an absurd too much, yeah, schedule too much probably, yeah. But yeah, it's like I don't know. It's weird because I only work. I mean, I work nine hours. An hour of that is a break, so I work eight hours. But it's a nine-hour shift. But for some reason, it's like you would think it's like okay. It's the same as working during the day. You just kind of shift everything. But for some reason, the shift math doesn't work because I mm-hmm. end up just getting off work and then sleeping all day. Right. And normally, your normal job, you sleep at night. You go to work. You have a couple hours at night yep. to do your stuff. Do for stuff, for yeah. some reason, moving it to the night, it just like it enveloped all of that free time. How long I, have you had that schedule? Uh, since September. I mean, I do stuff, but it's just, I don't yeah. know. It feels weird. I'm wondering if you'll, like, adjust eventually. Yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten in a pretty good rhythm now. Um, I don't know. It just feels weird. Yeah. Just, like, I don't know. It feels weird being off work at 8 a.m. and, like, doing stuff and then going, you know. I don't right. Know. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But I like it. Good. Yeah. So, Parasite. We should talk about that. Man, we, crazy. We got a lot of our predictions correct. The thing we got In spite wrong, of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing we got wrong was I truly, truly, truly never anticipated Parasite sweeping screenplay director I really, Best Picture. I really did not think they would give the awards to Parasite. Well, once that happened, I was like, oh my God, if they had nominated truly anybody from Parasite mm-hmm. for acting awards, Probably they could have swept the whole thing, Yeah, which is wild to think about. It's not, I think... That really shows off. I mean, I just think that, like, it really shows off, I think, that the, the acting categories are a name game. They're a name game, but also, to me, the big takeaway from what happened, the incident, <laughs> was this is what happens when the Academy is slightly more international and diverse. Right. Because they made a big push the last few years to recruit younger people, more people of color into mm-hmm. the Academy a bigger international pool. And the second you do that, mm-hmm. the second the pool starts to look like the demographics of the rest of the world, mm-hmm. you get parasites sweeping the Oscars. Right. I really didn't think they were going to give it to it because there were a bunch of, I think I talked about this on the show, but there were a bunch of like 
anonymous ballots that got given to like Variety or whatever. Oh, we talked about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just like all of them were like, I mean, it's good, but you know, like I don't know. Once upon a time in Hollywood, wowie wow. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like every every single like anonymous ballot that I read was like, oh yeah, Parasite was good, but like I don't know, like should like a foreign film shouldn't win or you're just like. Maybe not that blatant, but just like, oh, you know, I think it should, I think this was better or it should, you know, it should well, go Well, I think this. that speaks to a different problem, which right. is Variety is talking to, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess. The older Older members. white Academy members. Right, right, right. Which is why they all loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because, right. like, that's us. It's us. <laughs> I remember when Hollywood looked that way. You could drive around for hours and there was no traffic. That's all anybody talked yeah, about. Right. They were like, wow, remember when you could drive in L.A.? And I'm like, who gives a shit? <laughs> right. yeah. Anyway. But uh, so, yeah, I was very shocked. I was totally shocked. I think it was the first time uh, a foreign film won in like 90 years. Yes. International film. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, amazing. <laughs> Bong's speeches were incredible. Each speech had its like own color to it. Right. Where it was like we had very sincere and heartfelt where like <laughs> Marty Scorsese gave him a standing ovation, which was a really nice moment of solidarity, I mm-hmm. thought. There was a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, uh, there was a I, I forget which one but some uh, like one of the conservative people on the Daily Wire right after it happened had a, a super like a Meltdown. hot like like a cr- like a fire take yeah which was that uh, Parasite should not have won Best Picture because it was nominated for Best Foreign Picture and none of the other films were able to be nominated for Best Foreign <laughs> Picture so it was unfair. <laughs> That it could win twice. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. That is wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Some real, some real brain logic for you. I did think it was deeply ironic that when they won Best Picture and everybody was just losing their minds, and they, like, lowered the mic and cut the lights, and everyone was like, turn the lights back on, mm-hmm. that the woman, the final woman who spoke, mm-hmm. everyone was like, who is this sweet old little lady it is a billionaire <laughs> in South Korea who basically funds every good movie that comes out of South Korea. Right, right. And I just thought it was ironic that the final person who spoke about Parasite, a movie about right, class inequality, right, right. is a billionaire. Right, yeah. But also, that's how you get films made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need somebody to fund them. So, like, I didn't hold that against, like, Bong or anybody. I was just like, wow, even in this moment, we can't get away from wealth inequality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, you got to have that sweet, sweet. Uh, financing. You gotta get it. You gotta get that money. <laughs> it's hard. It's yeah. hard. They built that whole house. <laughs> yeah. Where'd that money come from? Yeah, it's hard to get that money. It's yeah. hard. Like, uh, th- even like the uh, truly, I think the lowest budget, like big film I can remember is like the Blair Witch yeah. Project, and even that was like a million dollars, maybe, maybe yes. a little less. They ha- they also had funding, but yeah, it's like yeah. they got fun. It's like like the cheapest, like huge budget it's movie like a is like a million dollars. Right. <laughs> and that was 1990 whatever. Right. Yeah, so yeah, now yeah. Right. probably Way a more. few mil. Yeah. So it's like that's I mean, that is crazy. Like film financing is an insane business. It's wild. So, yeah, uh, I don't know what this means for the future of the Academy. I just think that they bought themselves another year of looking slightly more relevant than they uh-huh. have in the past. When, like, Green Book won. People were like, we're done with you. Yeah. And this time it's like, oh, ma- okay, right. I'll watch again next year. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be relevant. Yeah. <laughs> Green Book. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Remember Forgot that? Forgot about Green Book. Okay. Recky Rex. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, first of all? Uh, I mean, not particularly. You've just been unconscious when you're not Yeah, working. most of the time. For I haven't sure. watched a lot of stuff lately, I guess. I basically, I basically just watch the same stuff. <laughs> I watch like Law and Order SVU. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's it. I just finished rewatching The Office, mm-hmm. like my yearly rewatch of The Office. For sure. Uh, I forget. Is it you or Faith who is extremely into Friends? I mean, you both really like it. I so are you excited about the reunion? No. On HBO, you're no, not. It's it's literally all six of them are getting paid two and a half million dollars. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure. To show up and sit on stools and talk about friends, mm-hmm. like the thing was, they said it's like a, it's like an unscripted special. Oh, really? Yeah, it's oh, not. Oh, I thought it was like they no, were doing. No, they haven't said what it is, well, but they said stupid. they said an unscripted special, which means they're gonna just fucking talk about friends. I think that is very dumb. That is <laughs> not what I thought it was at all. <laughs> they, I mean, when they've been posting about it, and I'm including the cast themselves, and every publication has made it seem like. They're doing more episodes. Yeah, I, I when I saw the the hashtag, I was like, oh, that's crazy! Like, a f- like a friends reunion, that's wild. And then like, 
I read the article about it, and it was like, oh, it's a it's a, a hour long unscripted special or something. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Like they're just Who gonna gives a shit. Yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure they're just gonna fucking talk about. The only way it could be good is if they got on there and did like an improv episode of Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be <laughs> insane because none of, th- I mean, Lisa Kudrow's an improviser, but yeah. other than that, <laughs> yeah, none, none of them are improvisers. Yeah. So it would be very bad, <laughs> super bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be nothing. I mean, it's they're all. What's crazy about that show is that they've all had careers, but Jennifer Aniston's the only one that's had like a big career. I would say, had they done this in the 90s, Matt Perry. Yeah, he had some stuff. But he kind of even fell off the radar. The last... I, I mean, mean, Courtney Cox had uh, Cougar Town. She did Cougar Town. She's had some stuff. Some stuff. Matthew Perry did those... The, the, the What is it? The nine... The... the the long oh, That movie with Bruce Willis, where he's a dentist, and they're Couldn't like... That's an action movie. You. Couldn't tell you. Nine and a half weeks. I don't know. I don't, I don't freaking remember. It was funny. It was a good, it was a good movie. Yeah. I like Matthew Perry. I think he's funny. Yeah, uh, I think Matt Perry is very funny. Um, like David Tr- David Schwimmer did that OJ miniseries, <laughs> which he was great in. I maintain David Schwimmer is a great actor. Yes, he's a great. Actor. He just got pigeonholed because Ross is awful. Yes, so people hate him. Uh-huh. But he is a good actor. He's got like a vibe. He's got a vibe about him. Yes. He brings he brings a lot to the screen. But he does weirdly have like good range. Like I've seen yeah. him war series, like as a yeah. soldier. Uh, yeah, he was in the OJ thing. Yeah, but I think. Of all of them, nobody, none of them really, they all had good career. None of them had like a, like Matt LeBlanc arguably has not really done much. But I think they're all permanently A-listers because of friends. Yes. But. Uh, they all did stuff. They all the get roles because they were friends. But none of them were really stars except no, for Jennifer person, Aniston. Yeah, the only person who's had like longevity in an in a, A-lister way is Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Which is crazy cause, just because of how big friends was. You know, it's like, that was like, I mean, I don't think people younger than us really realize like that's that was was literally the biggest show on television the finale of friends was wild like everybody on my college campus was watching Uh uh-huh like it was crying and it was and it was pre-internet so it was like not only was it the biggest show in the world but it's like you didn't have anything else to pay attention to i remember i had these neighbors uh bob and tyler who i hung out with all the time yeah and after the friends finale tyler came over and it was our uh their senior year so they were moving out Mm mm-hmm uh that summer right and they had lived together like four years and they were very very close friends tyler came over and was crying because of the scene where they have to take apart the foosball table uh-huh yeah he, like that triggered him uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he came over and he was crying and he's like it's ending i think the thing about that show is just that i i mean uh, you know there's all these there's always takes now especially once i got added to netflix like there was like a barrage of like oh actually friends is bad yes the thing is like yes it's bad it but it's bad. like but if you were young at that time it that was, was like, all we had it was, it was we didn't have a million channels we didn't have a million options of yeah. things to watch so you watched friends and it was before tv i don't i, I really don't i really would love to talk to more people about this because i i don't think people understand like before the internet and then like pre like this was right around the time the sopranos was starting friends was ending mm-hmm. like Television was bad. Television was just bad. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, really, the Sopranos and then, like, at, like the Wire and stuff, that really started to change television in right. a way. And we hit kind of a golden age of television. And then it was like, but Friends was before that. Yes. And, like, television was awful. Really, really bad. And that's why when you go back and you watch stuff that we watched as a kid, it, it is, like, largely unwatchable. Saved by the Bell is... Woo! unwatchable Although i feel like that sort of went full circle where it is so bad it's sort of hypnotic to watch how yes. bad it is yes uh in a meta way you can uh-huh. watch it and laugh right. about it right. but that's another show yeah i would earnestly watch saved by the bell yeah. and get like emotionally invested for sure yeah 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 wow. and so like friends was that because it was on for a long time it was on for nine seasons about a decade yeah. of for a, a and cer- like formative years like us through high school yeah. into college, right. like those years were like friends' years. And I think that was just because that's why it became such a big deal when it got because I think when it got added to Netflix, a lot of people were like, "What the fuck? Like why?" But for that's all the people that were young when Friends was on were like in their like late twenties, early thirties, which is like they all have Netflix accounts now. Yeah. Like they like they're all like adults who are like consume a bunch of media. So then it was like, oh, this is you know this was. But our it childhood. is comforting to watch stuff you've already seen for sure. I do that with cartoons a lot, like mm-hmm. Bob's Burgers. Oh, I can yeah. watch over and over and over. I can't yeah, yeah. really do with Friends or The Office, but Friends was a show. 
I really liked, but I watched it so much when I was younger that now I can throw it on and I don't even have to pay attention to it. But right. it's like so weirdly comforting to just have it on because right. you like you know everything that's happening. You don't have to invest in it. It's just kind of like I don't know. It's a comfort blanket type thing. I do maintain two two episodes mm-hmm. hold up. Yeah, the one where they're playing the game where they're doing uh-huh. trivia yep. about each that's other. The, that's the best uh, best episode of the whole series. Matthew Perry's timing in that is insane. He's w- so good. He's so funny in it. Uh, and then it's another Matthew Perry one, but when they're moving the couch up the stairs. Yeah, the couch is great. Great. Mm-hmm. So good. Uh-huh. And Schwimmer's really good in that, too. Yes. Does he get a lot of credit because he's being fucking annoying <laughs> in it? But you need that for Matthew Perry's character. Here's, the thing. here's Here's what's funny about the character of Ross is that people have discovered that Ross was a monster. Yes. He is a monster. But David Schwimmer needs to get credit for being a monster. <laughs> yeah, and also that, like, colored the rest of his career. Yeah, so it, really, like, fell on the knife. So and he's really good <laughs> at being like show. I don't think people like. This is the thing that happens, not not just related to friends, but like I think people, like this happens in society all the time, which is like norms change, mm-hmm. and then you judge the past. But like, yes, David Schwimmer, like the character of Ross, was a type of guy in the nineties. I mean, like, he's a type of guy now. He's a type of guy now. Yeah, but like. Yes, he is a monster. That is also how a bunch of people are. But I think, ooh, sorry, as my alarm's going off. Oh, um, I think part of the problem with that is they never. Really, they don't really treat him as a monster, and they don't come to terms with it. Yeah. Like, I, I to do the flip side of episodes that are really good. The episode of Friends that I can't watch is where they're getting ready for the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, which sucks because Joey and Chandler are very funny in that episode. Yeah, I maintain that. I think he's abusive. He's like, if anybody was witnessing that, they should have been like, you have to break up with him. Right, right. This is insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they never really come to terms with it. Like, they make up by the end of the episode. Yeah. Do they, or was that one of the times they broke up? They make up at the very end of the episode. Uh, I yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's just like, I just. People don't, I think, necessarily, and not, I don't mean just related to friends, but like in general, I think people sometimes don't necessarily count, like, they're like, oh, why is this character like this? Or, or why did they allow this on TV or whatever? And it's like, I don't think people necessarily understand, like, account for, like, the, like, people just didn't treat that stuff with that kind of gravitas at the we, time. We didn't have think pieces. We right. didn't really, like, yeah, there was no Twitter. You didn't get to really, like, unpack stuff like that. Yeah. And a lot of stuff that, like, if you, I was, oh, this was, reminds me. We were, ta- I was talking about this with Faith the other day about, like, about how a lot of, like, 90s and earlier sitcoms, the, some of the couples on there are just awful. Oh, my God. Just awful couples. And, and there's so much homophobia. And she didn't know this. I had to explain to her, the joke of the honeymooners is that he's going to hit his wife. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is like That's truly the joke of the honeymooners is that he's going to hit his wife. Yeah. And that, it's like. That is. Wild. And she didn't know that. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that yeah. was just That was just the joke of the show. Bang, zoom, straight to the moon. He's <laughs> yeah. talking about beating his wife. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure. For <laughs> and sure. So it's just like, that's just like. Yeah, the end of that show is he kills his wife. Right. And people are just like. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, that's marriage. So I funny, guess. you hit you, you know when you have to beat your wife constantly. Marriage, and, and so I think there's a weird cultural understanding of like in the '90s of just like I don't know, like I I wasn't like I was watching the show, but I wasn't cognizant enough of like media about television. So I don't know if people were addressing like the weird like relationship dynamics on TV or anything to, enough to like talk about like Ross being an abusive boyfriend or whatever. I don't know if that was around or not, but like. It just seems I don't that, remember it. I don't think so. It just seems to me like a lot of those shows in the 90s where we're like, oh, he was an abusive boyfriend. or like. I remember the happened. first conversation, I think, I think this happened first. People were like, hey, Chandler and Joey, 90% of their dialogue was no homoing each right. other. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. And also the ongoing joke of Chandler being gay when he was not gay. Yes. And that being an insult. Uh-huh. Uh, that I remember people talking about first, where they were like, "That was really fucked up," yeah. right? Yeah. And then I think soon after that, and Ross is an like a men's rights activist. Yes, I wonder if it's like what I've always wondered is it like it's, it's like if at the time people understood that dynamic and were just like, "Oh, it's whatever," you know, that's how thing things are, or if it was like people truly just didn't get it, like mm-hmm. that that was a problematic. I've heard a lot of stuff about the writer's room uh-huh. and apparently the writer's room was like a very toxic place. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise they me. They constantly made gay jokes about David Schwimmer yeah. and like, so it seemed like just the environment in general was not great. Yeah. And yeah. also uh, Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox having weird eating disorder stuff. Yeah. 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 And because none of them were like... Partic- Sorry, it's not weird to have an eating disorder. But no, no, no. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. But, but like, and 
I don't know that that whole era is. I would love an oral history if they would ever make it. I don't know if they would. It might not be usable. It might not be writable. Mm. Um, but like an oral history of that show would be great, just because it's like there was so much weird stuff going on. Of like none of them were particularly famous before the show. So you have all these like they all were all like, like any wor- of them were. They were all like working actors, I think. But like you wouldn't. But no, have you known wouldn't know names, they were. Yeah. But they were like you know they were in Hollywood like working. But like yeah, they weren't names. It was like the later episodes when it was like oh my god, Brad Pitt and George Clooney right, are gonna right. be on Friends. Yeah. yeah, but it's like yeah, before that show, none of them were like name actors. So like they really le- went from like just really struggling working actors to being the biggest stars on television. That's gonna fuck with you. Yeah. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, same for the writers. I mean, the writers are all working writers, but I don't think any of them were like big time writers or anything. Yeah, but they never got, they're not like household names. No, 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 no. Yeah. But I mean, like, it, just like going from like working and scraping by to like being the biggest show. And also being able to do whatever you want after that. Right. So you good. wrote fucking friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like, that's a crazy environment to get thrown into. For sure. Um, so, so I'm not excited about that. Not excited about short the Friends reunion. Long okay, answer. we um, anti-wreck the Friends reunion. Uh, and it hasn't even come out yet. <laughs> so just when I, As soon as I saw unscripted specials, like they're just going to sit on stools and talk about Friends for an hour. Wow. I don't care. Um, I'll watch clips online. Right. Uh, I uh, I will I will I'll make two music recommendations because yes. two bands I've been listening to a lot lately I think are great. Uh, ba- uh, Guided by Voices, mm-hmm. classic 90s band. Uh, I recently just went back through their whole catalog. Robert Pollard is a genius. Mm-hmm. The guy from, from Guided by Voices, he wrote like thousands of songs. They've wow. put out so much material. They put out an album, I think, every year since they started. Jesus. Which is a lot. They yeah. put out a lot of records. And he's just a genius. Uh, I've also been listening to this band called The Figs. The Figs? Like yeah. the fruit? Yes, but it's uh, two Gs. F-I-G-G-S. The Figs. That's uh, how you can so find them online. Yes. Uh, they're both uh, great. They're both great. Cool. So I saw Birds of Prey. Nice. It's great. It's very, very fun. If you follow Gail Simone on Twitter... She's been tweeting at length about it, mm-hmm. talking about how great and fun it is. And I'm just here to say she has not told a single lie. Yeah, you know, surprisingly, the only negative reviews I've seen were from uh, conservative men. Oh, isn't that weird <laughs> how that happens, Eric? It's so weird. I will say, if I'm to offer criticism, it's that it they have to introduce a lot of characters. Right. And uh, the result of that is some of the characters are very under, underdeveloped. I know some of fan faves uh, were underdeveloped in it. Mm-hmm. The women of color in in the film certainly have less to do than, like, say, Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. um, if they get to speak at all, right, <laughs> which right. is not a good look, um, problematic. But it is very, very cool to see a movie about essentially the plot of Birds of Prey is Mr. J is no more. He's uh-huh. gone. The Joker's gone. And it's like, how does Harley Quinn have an image if she's not with the Joker? Right. What does she do next? Right. And uh, essentially teams up with a badass group of women. Nice. And it's really funny. The fight scenes are so fun. It's not a lot of CGI, so it feels very like a Joel Schumacher Batman. Okay. But the chore- choreography is great. There's a wild scene where Harley Quinn storms a police station and is shooting cops with a glitter gun. <laughs> and it's beautiful to yeah. watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say to the people who were like, look, is that very realistic when they instantly shoot her with real guns? <laughs> Calm down. It's a comic book film. <laughs> it doesn't have to be hyper-realistic. Yeah. Uh, but it's very, very grounded. Like, Gotham is extremely old Brooklyn. Right. She's got an apartment above a Chinese restaurant. She's got a pet hyena. I mean, what do you people fucking want? <laughs> it's just like a fun, good time. There was a moment... I love having this moment when you're watching a good film where you're like, I could watch this forever. Yeah, yeah. This world, I love this world so uh-huh. much. And it's Harley and a little kid eating cereal, watching TV. Right. And I was just like, this is great. This is so fun. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'll definitely probably go see it soon. I, it's interesting because I think it's interesting to hear you say that about like the world or, or like the vision of the, the movie just because like. Suicide Squad was so universally hated. Yes. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's like weird the same because world. They have to keep referring to it. Right. In the, and I was a little like, oh, is this going to be too much Suicide Squad? Right. But they do it in a really smart way where nice. it's like they have to talk about like, yeah, she had this fucked up relationship with the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, but also he was her only source of protection in Gotham. Right. So right. she was like stuck in an abusive relationship. Right. Um, and I have to say, Ewan McGregor and Chris Messina are, that's his name, right? 
I mean, it sounds right. Um, are really, really good bad guys. Nice. I'll say again to the critics out there who there's a lot of um, suggesting in the film that they are queer, if not in a gay relationship. Uh-huh. And some people were like, isn't that problematic to make gay or queer men the villains? I'll say that in the 90s, that wasn't an issue because there was no other representation of queer or gay people. <laughs> yeah. So they would occasionally show up as like a Bond villain. Right. And it would be like pathologizing queerness is bad in that sense. But I, I think now there's enough representations where, listen, sometimes the villain is a gay person. Gay people can be villains. Yeah, like I think, and like I don't feel that was their like defining qualities. Yeah, I think there was like definitely uh, what came to my mind actually speaking of Batman was like, not he wasn't gay, and I, I I don't think I don't think this was part of the lore or anything, but like like Jack Nicholson's Joker, like very flamboyant. Mm-hmm. I think like back in the like in the eighties, seventies, sixties, it's like or even like the Adam West like series with the Joker, also very flamboyant. The Cesar Romero Joker, like very yeah. flamboyant. It's like there was definitely a time period where it was like that like sort of flamboyant atmosphere was like just co- like every villain just had that because it was like oh this means they're evil. Well, that's <laughs> another thing. So we don't have the Joker in this movie. So. Ewan McGregor is his black mask is a stand-in for the Joker, right. so he has to be very big. He yeah. has to be, but, but damn, they're like very, very creepy in a very specific way. Like they That's are, cool. I think they're scary. Like right. they're scary bad guys. Uh, so they were very good. And again, going back to the underrepresent or the underdevelopment of women of color in this film, I know people are bummed because the little kid in this movie is Cassandra Kane, who goes on to be Batgirl. Mm-hmm. I am hopeful that. This is them planting seeds, and they will develop these characters in future films. Right. It feels unfinished by the end of this film, so I'm hoping there'll be more. Because, listen, I thought I was done with DC because they made a shit ton of bad films. Right. Um, with the exception of Wonder Woman, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if they keep making Birds of Prey films, I'll fucking watch that shit. Nice. So, and then finally, going back to Netflix. Lock and Key is real good, guys. I People keep talking about this. I don't know what this is. Netflix was pushing it hard to yeah. me. And I was like, oh, I hate when they do that. But finally, I was like, okay, I'll watch it. I stayed home last night like a responsible adult. <laughs> I'll watch it. And it's real fucking good. Nice. It's really good. It's like uh, it's very young adults, but it's written at an elevated level where adults can enjoy it. Nice. Or I am very immature. <laughs> so You know what? Honestly both yeah (laughs) guys on that note that's enough for the recommendations as always if you have any recommendations tweet us uh on twitter at uh or i'm sorry hashtag light trees and pod i mean you can also just tweet at us that's an option light trees and pod uh facebook comments instagram comments all of that good stuff i also have a patreon patreon.com slash allison kilkenny my five dollar a month uh members over there Obviously, get preferential treatment. So sure. if you offer recommendations over there, I'ma read them first. Oh. On that note, let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. All right, look, spoiler alert, we will talk about Bernie winning in Nevada in the good news section. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want people to be sitting all through the bad news section like, why do they got to talk about it? In the good news section, because we're in the bad news Mm -hmm. section now. Right. But the sort of flip side of that coin is Chris Matthews acting a fool on MSNBC. What the hell has happened? Look, he's never good. No, he's always been bad. But what the hell has happened? He's gone... Like he's full off his like boomerang all over the place, <laughs> all over the place, just boomerang everywhere. He's like, what if Bernie Sanders, a Jewish man <laughs> who had relatives who were killed in the Holocaust, uh-huh. what if, okay, he is a dirty communist, <laughs> and also him winning Nevada is the worst thing to happen since what did he say? Since the Germans stormed some. Since the, since the Germans... Since France s- falling to Germans. Since France Germany falling to Germany, yeah, yeah. Whatever cool. it was called. Cool. <laughs> like a week ago, he was like, well, if Bernie gets elected, he's going to march us into the park and shoot us. 
<laughs> Great. He also suggested four more years of Trump might be better for the Democratic Party than Sanders winning the presidency. Like, what is like? What are you doing? It's so funny. Like, I, I, I just don't like. I don't know. It's like all of these people always existed in this sort of exact same way, but they I guess just because they've never had this actual like threat, they've never like been as like crazy about it. Well, like I James also Carville think the other day was like yeah. going insane. Yeah. Like about like Bernie and it was like, I don't know. It was just the pundits like, are fully off the wall right now. Yeah. And I think like they might have gotten worse, but I think the more likely sit- situation is they're exactly the same. Right. But society has changed so rapidly around them uh-huh. that because they don't have diverse representation on cable news networks, right. they've never looked more out of touch because they are out of touch. We've never had to deal. The Democratic Party really has never had to deal with this much of an outsider before. Yes. There have been some lefty, you know, types. There's been like Dennis Kucinich or like people like that in the party. But never like. He was never as much of a threat as. Exactly. He never got anywhere. He never won any primaries. He never even got any polling numbers. It was just like, you know. I mean, they they sort of. They did react the same with AOC, which is as soon as she became like part of the establishment Mm -hmm. as an outsider. Uh, people lost their damn minds right. because she seemed like an alien right. in Congress. Yeah, I think it really is. Uh, it really highlights like the idea. Like we always say this, but like it really highlights the idea that like there are these two entrenched political machines: the Republican Party and Democratic Party, and they both were operating for so long where they, they were like battling each other but it was sort of like you know well we're both we're all of us even though we're on two supposedly two different sides we're all part of the same like elite right crew in washington dc yeah. we're all rich people we all know what's going on here we're, you know even though we have these quote-unquote ideological battles we're all sort of like we're all going to the same dinners we're all going to the same lunches we're buddies yeah yeah it's I'll like we're bu- on the golf course yeah it's like we're buddies and we show up to work and we argue and then we go to dinner at night and stuff like that and it was like just recently i mean you know not that it was good but trump sort of did a similar thing in the republican party where he came in and was like i don't care about any of this you know um and so and now and now but everybody thought the democrats were better than that and that they were like oh well they support progressivism and all this stuff and then when like a real like hard left like progressive comes in they're like no 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 not like this not like this no 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 don't raise my taxes yeah it's interesting too to see we just went through a presidential election where the media wildly uh miscalculated (laughs) yeah called it so wrong Uh and now they're doing it again with bernie Uh i saw fucking uh ben from politico Mm. tweet well, everybody I talked to said there's no way Bernie's going to win. And it's like, well, shit. At least you didn't <laughs> talk to the exact same people last time who told you Trump wasn't going to win. Right, right, right. Like, why do they think they're going to get it right this time when they're so out of touch? Yeah, it's really wild. It's really, like, I think it just exposing a lot of, like, insular nature of D.C. and that whole mm-hmm. thing. And just, like, yeah, these really are, like these you know this this rich upper class of people even the the le- like the supposed progressives the supposed like democratic party who are supposed to be the lefties you know yeah it's like it's all this like upper crust like elite mm. which is why they also fucking lost their goddamn minds about bernie's tweet about the democratic <laughs> establishment <laughs> they were so people, mad people are going fucking insane yeah. and it's just like like that's what he's talking about yeah it's like it's and guess what it's not a radical idea because <laughs> right. so many people are supporting him. Yeah. It was not close in Nevada. Yeah. No. Oh, my God. Did you hear the Daily podcast about the culinary union? I haven't. People have been telling Whoa. me to listen to it. I haven't watched it yet. Yo. I haven't listened to it yet. All right. So, you know, I never recommend other podcasts on my podcast because yeah. it is uh, traitorous to listen uh-huh. to another podcast. Right. But go listen to Friday's episode of the Daily they interview the culinary union and basically what it boils down to is sorry I said boils down to when we're talking about the culinary <laughs> union is um they so fear Medicare for all because uh-huh. they are familiar with their current healthcare plans. Right. And they're like, I don't want to go from something I know, even if it's bad, right. to the unknown. Uh-huh. So that's one aspect of it. There's one guy that they interview who didn't realize he was going to caucus for the president. He was like, no, 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 I just voted on health care. 
Right. And they were like, no, 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 you just chose who will be the nominee. Right. And he was like, no, because my union said. And that's right. when it goes like off the rails. It was like, what do you mean your union said? Right, right, right. So then they interview another union worker who is on the record with them, who later says my union approached me and said not to talk to the press. Right, right. Like they are really strong arming people. This is sort of the thing of like, I, I like, I don't want to look. Y- unions are good. Yes. Universally, unions are good. But I think when people talk about the problems with unions, this you, is what they're talking about. This is what they're talking about. There is for some of the bigger unions, there is a real like a real hierarchical class divide in the unions amongst the leadership. This was Hoffa's whole thing, right? It was like they're like you, you know, the, this is sort of like it's a it becomes its own business and its own organization its own right and you have people at the top and you have the underlings who are paying the dues and part of that how you keep that control is you crush any dissent yeah and so they become their own you know sort of like they're they they become just like a like a corporation and And that's when a a lot of like the the corruption problems happen right the the people at the top of the union get way too close to management yeah they start you know skimming off the top and like that's when you have all of the the classic problems with the union right the union itself is good. Yeah. It's yeah, when the yeah. union gets corrupted, you have and usually when I say corrupted, they behave more like a business. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. become the, an organization so big that it's like, oh well, we need to have this, you know, elite people at the top running the union and stuff like that. Right. And it's like, well, then now you're just a CEO and the board. Um, and you look at the results last night, like Bernie won every uh every caucus in the like Las Vegas area that had the culinary union. Right. I think. Yes. I, I, or close to everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like the culinary workers, like all, you know, overwhelmingly voted for Bernie. Yes. It was the leadership that didn't want Bernie. Um, right. And I think how you counter something like that is radical transparency. Mm-hmm. Who is making the calls at the top of the culinary union? Right. Uh, like, what is their minute by minute schedule every day? Who uh-huh. are they talking right, to? Right. That's how you sort of counteract. Because part of the, the creepiness of the daily podcast episode is they can't figure out who's making these calls. Right, right. It's like, why did the guy who was talking to us yesterday suddenly, like, clam up? What mm-hmm. happened? Right, and they right. can't figure it out. Also, a lot of people were saying, like, oh, yeah, unions don't like Medicare for all because, like, you know, oh, it, it they got, they organized for good health care and now it's going to get taken away. And I saw a bunch of people on Twitter, like, no, I'm in a union and, like, if we had Medicare for all, we could, like, we could spend time on other stuff instead of constantly fighting for health care. Right. You know, it's like we could bargain about wages or time off or like, you know what I mean? We could spend our energy on other stuff. Mm. But most of the time, most union fights start about healthcare, Right. And they um, they pretty much, I mean, they rarely go past that because it's like they spend all their time fighting with their companies about healthcare. Right. Because that's like the obviously the most pressing issue. Of course. Is getting healthcare. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like if we had Medicare for all, it's like, oh, we could have time to like focus on other things and making our work. And that's better. really what Bernie was trying to communicate to them. Like in all of the speeches where he was talking to the culinary union, yeah. he was like, if we have Medicare for all, we don't have to think about this stuff. Right. And also you have twelve thousand dollars more a year. Yeah. So I'm gonna get like save you money and you won't have to worry about your health care. Plus like if you're plus like if your union has really good health care. And then you lose your job. What fucking good does that do you? Right. Exactly. You know, it's like it's just it's people being very desperate and honestly making a calculation that makes sense, which is I currently have health care for my family. Yeah. Yeah. I want to keep it. Right. I don't want to like gamble on this thing. I don't understand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's ultimately going to be the biggest hurdle for like Bernie and Medicare for all people to get over. Right. Because right. people will stick with this shitty situation that is familiar. to them. Right. Right. Over the unknown, which could possibly maybe be better. Right. Right. So I also wanted to talk about this Russia story. <laughs> and I want to talk about Russia in general as uh-huh. our sort of all-purpose boogeyman. Oh my God. Yeah. So there was a story that got leaked to the press by somebody in the administration. Um, and, and the media loves to repeat an anonymous source, which is that Russia is really pushing for Bernie Sanders to uh, become the Democratic nominee because it's all part of their master plan. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So then the Bernie camp responds, and they're like, we know who this is, who's leaking this. Right. It's Richard uh, Grenell, who, uh, what was his actual, uh, the new acting director of national intelligence. Yes, yeah. Who hates Bernie. Mm -hmm. So immediately is like, huh, this is kind of a shady source. So do we know if this is true or not? Here's what I'll say. 
I think at this point, we we do have enough concrete evidence that Russia meddled in uh, the election, the 2016 right. election. Yeah, we yeah, know that, course. right? Yes. But at this point, they just want to sow chaos right. <laughs> in our election system. So that could be supporting Trump. That could be ostensibly uh, claiming to support Bernie Sanders. They just want Americans to get to the point where they don't trust any of our institutions. Right. right. And that we don't think our elections are valid. Yeah. And to to sort of lend support to that theory, um, millions of people get disenfranchised every year from voting. Mm. Uh, we have an incredibly racist um, systems right now that knock people of color off the rolls all the time. Right. So there is a lot wrong with our elections, right. but it would be Putin's wet dream for people to totally lose faith in our elections. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, and our course. leaders. So, like, whether they want Bernie to win or not is beside the point. They want this story in the media. Well, I think the calculation is that if the U.S. is too focused on, you know, this stuff, Putin can... S- situate Russia as, as the new superpower. Yes, he just wants us to devolve into chaos. Right, right, right. Which is happening. Yeah, I mean, I think when they, I forget the name of the agency, but there was a place that did a very good, like, deep dive into to Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. And basically what they found was that, like, there was, of course, like, the DNC hacking and stuff like that that happened, but the, the majority of the operation was this, this thing called the Inter- Internet Research Agency in Russia, which was basically just making memes. Mm. It was like a meme factory. Yes. And it was literally, they were just sitting in a room for t- 16 hours a day making memes on Facebook. And like creating Black Lives Matter accounts. Exactly. That was yeah. the thing. Is like they, they weren't just like, oh, they were... Pr- People seem to think that what Russia happened in 2016 was that a bunch of Russians made like pro-Trump accounts and built up Trump support. No, no, no. But actually, what they did was they were making Black Lives Matter accounts, Hillary accounts, and then they would just like if they didn't get any traction, if they only got like a couple hundred likes or whatever, they would just change that to some other group, some other interest group, and they would they would have like you know Arab groups and stuff like that, and they would basically like. They, and then they would have pro-Trump groups, pro-nationalist groups. They would they would set up like rallies across the street from each other yep. so that the, the two opposing forces would fight. Yeah, just you know, chaos. They, chaos. They, it was not like a... Pro, it was mainly just for creating chaos. It was not like they just made a bunch of Trump puppet accounts to build That's support. The thing, whenever, whenever Trump does something or is part of some legislation that seems to be slightly more aggressive towards Russia, people are like, oh, so how can he be a puppet right. if he's cracking down on them? And it's like, that's not what it, it's about. It's not about people having... Um, partnerships or or being allies for each other. Mm-hmm. Everybody's calculating in that moment what uh-huh. is advantageous to them. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I th- I, I really feel like you know Pu- Putin's situation is just like he needs the USA to not be focused on world affairs because if th- if we're not, he can sort of situate himself amongst like the problems in the Middle East, the problems yeah. in China, the problems in Korea, like all that. Like he can sort of like be the superpower in that part of the world and if he does that then they've really they've become like the new superpower right. which is you know america has been the superpower for so long by basically taking over the whole world right putting bases everywhere mitigating every situation like spending being the world way police. too much money doing that right, and now exactly. we're in decline yeah yeah and yeah. so it's like if we're focused on this if 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 like the military doesn't have like nationalistic support then we're not going to go into as many wars. We're not going to get involved in many stuff. And then Russia can really step in and be like, "We're going to be, we're going to be the superpower yeah. now." Not that we're saying the military should have nationalistic support. I don't think that's going to be. I the thing is, I think that's Putin's ca- calculation. But I don't think even if we did that, if we took a pretty isolationist foreign policy, I don't even think he would get that far. No, he it, like here's the thing. He is definitely overreaching too. Yeah. So at this point, it's like a race of who's going to implode right. first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he's a maniac. Right. Right, right and and driving his country into the ground yeah, too so exactly. um but yeah truly wild guys that's enough of the bad it's that time in the episode here's your good news <laughs> All right, obviously the good news is Bernie won in Nevada. Oh, my God, he crushed. Decisively crushed. Crushed. He crushed so hard that he won 
moderate slash conservative Democrats. <laughs> Bernie Sanders did yeah. that. Yep. So for every pundit out there who's like, yeah, but isn't he going to alienate moderates? No. Well, not in fucking Nevada, at least. No, surprisingly, the the guy with a vision and a support uh, does good. Isn't that wins. weird? <laughs> he keeps winning because what he's saying isn't considered extreme anymore. Right. But we have cable news pundits who are still spewing the same old tired tropes of like, well, could a socialist really win in this country? And it's like... If you're not paying attention to what's happening on the ground, uh-huh. you're going to get fucking blindsided and embarrassed in right. 2020, just like you did in 2016. Mm-hmm. That's It's just going to happen again. Bernie Sanders is the first candidate, Republican or Democrat, to win the popular vote in the first three primaries. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Shit. He's the first candidate to ever do that. Wow. Wow. And I think he's... He could win South Carolina too. He could win South Carolina. He could win. I I I don't know if it's as and certainly not as likely as Nevada. It's pretty close down there, but he could win. I think Biden's going to go ham in South Carolina. Oh yeah, he has to. At this point, yeah, it's like yeah. if he I mean, has a bad showing there, he don't. Yeah, he's been spending all of his time down there. Yeah. like like literally, I think after New Hampshire, like before the votes were in, he flew to South Carolina and gave his like speech in South Carolina because that's just where he's like that's where he's that's where he's hedging on it's like we have to win South Carolina and then we'll get a little bump and you know we'll be back in the race so he's really that boomer logic yeah he's been really going going crazy (laughs) I'm blaming everything on boomers Uh today (laughs) sorry he's like really been going ham in there but then what's going to be crazy is like if Joe wins South Carolina, <laughs> yeah, then Super Tuesday is when Bloomberg jumps in the race. Great, and it's just like shit's gonna go crazy. Fuck me, <laughs> fuck. Super well, Tuesday is gonna be wild. He got the Clint Eastwood endorsement. Bloomberg's got numbers, which is crazy to me. Is it though? Is it crazy to you that the guy who spent like four hundred? <laughs> how much is it? He spent like four hundred, four hundred fifty, something like that, million dollars so far. That that guy is getting a bump from other rich people yeah. who are like, I like what this guy is saying. I'm kind of. Uh, I mean, not that I would have taken it, but kind of sad nobody approached me to tweet for the Bloomberg campaign. <laughs> You're not a big enough influencer. <laughs> That's true. I was a little hurt, but someone was like, they just have to read your Twitter feed to know <laughs> that you wouldn't do it. And I was like, all right. Um, but I would have done it as like an LOL. I probably wouldn't have done it on Twitter. I might have done it on my like my phone contact list. <laughs> just harassing yeah, I'll people? Tw- I'll tweet. I'll, I'll, I'll like text all my like contacts just know this anybody who texts me with pro bloomberg <laughs> shit i'm screenshotting that with your full name address i'm gonna dox you i'm right. gonna dox you <laughs> and put it online <laughs> so uh yeah you know i here's i'm gonna make a wild comparison okay Ooh, guys great i, I feel the way about bernie doing really well in all these caucuses uh-huh. as i feel about parasite sweeping the oscars all right which is i can't believe it's happening yeah but i have so little faith in the institution that they're operating within that i'm like this can't be real this can't be real this can't be real he's not gonna get the nomination they'll figure out something at like some secret committee Mm -hmm. where they will tank him well that is a big worry now right especially if he doesn't sweep on super tuesday they, I mean, they talked about that debate where, like, did you see that? Did you watch the debate, the last, the Nevada debate? No. So the big takeaway, which I believe they cut from the YouTube broadcast, like, the not live. They can't cut it live. But they afterwards, when they posted really? it, I think they cut out the answer, is there's a part at the end where Chuck Todd goes, if, because you, you can't, if you go to the convention and nobody has, like, 50 plus one. Right. That's when they start to like do weird. Yeah, they have swapping. to do. They have to do like they basically the way it works is like as far as I understand it, if nobody has like fifty percent plus one delegates, you have your first vote of delegates, and everybody has to. They're obligated to vote for whatever the pledge was from the primaries, right? So wh- whatever everybody won in the primaries is obligated to be the first vote, right. except that nobody wins because nobody's over half, right? So then they go to the second vote, and you can do whatever you want. Right. And then that, that's when, like, the insane, like, pressuring people. Uh-huh. So. Pulling people in the hallways. That's what they call <laughs> That's what they call a, a brokered convention. It's basically, yeah. like, they do the first vote. Nobody wins. We already know that because nobody won during the primary. So then the second vote is, like, your delegates can do whatever they want. They start trading delegates and stuff like that. So. But at the debate, Chuck Todd was, like, if you go to the, pri- if you go to the convention and nobody has a clear majority, 
will you vote for the person that has the most delegates? Not a majority, because nobody got a majority, but the most delegates, right. the plurality. Right. And everyone said no except Bernie. Wow. Everyone was like, no, we should let the system play out. Is it Because... Because I think Bloomberg and Warren both think they can win a brokered convention. I think that's right. Yeah. Because and the yeah. second vote is when the superdelegates come in. Fuck me. So and and so but yeah, so basically it's like I think they both like I think that's Warren's big calculation because her polling numbers are just bad. She, like, and she keeps getting worse. Yeah, and yeah. So it's very clear she cannot win a primary. Yeah. So I th- but she is pretty universally kind of thought of as like the second choice. For a lot of people. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people is like, the dream is Warren and Bernie team up. I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think it'll ever happen. I mean, the thing is, like, Bernie, like, there was a story uh, a while ago that Bernie was like, he was literally, like, meeting with lawyers to see if Elizabeth Warren could be vice president and treasury secretary at the same time. Wow. He was asking, like, legal questions. That's interesting because there's this narrative that he would never choose her as a VP because she's not a loyalist. Yeah, the thing is, like, I... I mean, I know that, that that happened, that he was asking about if that, if that was a possibility. Here's why I would like to see that. It's not even, I mean, I, look, I like Warren for the most part. I think she's been really, like, ups, like weirdly mean to Bernie for no reason. But I, I, I'm almost 100% sure that that is some kind of strategy. Yeah. That they had, like, a meeting where they're uh-huh. like, you need to go at him hard. Right. I don't think she did that. No, no, no. I think... I, the thing is, they've been friends for a long time. It seems like a strategy. And there's never been, it's not like Amy Klobuchar, there's never right. been like testimony by anonymous staffers <laughs> around Elizabeth Warren that she's like mean or abusive. No, no, no. Yeah. But, but, and, and I would like to see them come together again. The main reason I would like to see them team up on the ticket, which is why I was saying from the beginning, is because we wouldn't have to play all these games. They would just crush the rest of the field. Mm. If, 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 let's say Warren dropped out before Super Tuesday, and even though this is not really like a thing, you don't announce a vice president before during the primaries. If they were, if, if, if she were to say like drop out, not that I think she should, but just if yeah, she yeah, were sure. to, and he announced her VP, they would crush. They because would crush. That, because that is a whole wing of the party, and they, and they would, everybody else splits the vote. But so I they think would the destroy. The optics of this woman who has been, this was the other good news thing I wanted to talk about. She, fucking brought it to bloomberg oh she was awesome during the debate. she was a fucking beast yeah. and i think a lot of people are getting very excited because it's like there's a strong woman i think the optics of her becoming number two to a man it would listen, be bad yeah i think it would i think it would be really bad especially following listen we all know how i feel about hillary clinton uh-huh. but the way that whole thing went down right, right, right. i think so many women would just be like profoundly hurt by that happening i think so too i just i just don't see any way she can win the no, primary and that's now. the thing and i like man i hope she has a moment where she realizes like mathematically i can't win this right but if i and listen you're vp to a very elderly man <laughs> okay so make that calculation too elizabeth where it's like get in there and just fucking win the thing yeah i just i mean I, like i'm not you know stoked about it or anything i just like i mean i want bernie to win but also like I just it doesn't see her polling numbers are just getting worse, and so that's that's what it's you know it sucks because I think she's got a lot of good ideas. It just but like just the reality of the situation. She was like I think third or fourth in Nevada. I mean yeah. she's like her polling numbers are just getting worse. Really, and, bad. I, yeah, and, yeah. and so I just don't see any way of her winning the primary. Yeah, and I to me I'm sort of like at this point, how can she stay in it the longest? Right, and it's like. If she's part of the Sanders yeah. surge, then but it would just be nice if they did that. Only because I think like it would just the it would be over at that point. Over, we wouldn't have to over. play any of these games. And that's what's really maddening to watch. Over. Where it's like, listen, we have a democracy, right? So people pressuring her to drop out. I'm yeah. like, fuck off. Yeah, like this is her right as yeah, a candidate yeah, yeah, of course. to run. Absolutely. But just knowing that like there's this option yeah. out there where if you team up, it's over. It's over. I mean, it's they would like, just destroy. <sighs> so I don't yeah. know, but but yeah, I mean, she was. I mean, like I said, she was awesome at the debate, and I and I, I frankly I liked. I feel like that was a great moment because I feel like she's been not doing that. Yeah, that and, that's and why I'm really like, like, there's some conversation that happened behind the scenes where they were like, you got to unleash. Yeah, and maybe it's because your numbers aren't good, but yeah. you got to like go after these people. And when she went after Bloomberg for the the NDAs was. He was so unprepared that it was baffling. Yeah. It was like, you never ran this as like a mock debate. You never, <laughs> none of your advisors who, you, again, paid $400 million for. Yeah. None of them said, 
Like, you got to be ready because they're going to go after you on the fact that you are a creepy sexual harasser. Yeah. What was funny to me was that, like, he, <laughs> it was, like, obviously that, we knew that was going to come up. He couldn't even deal with the whole, like, attacks on him being a billionaire. Yeah. Which is, like, his main thing. And, like, people who were like, man, he would really bring it to Trump. It's like, what? What are you basing <laughs> that on? He fell apart. Yeah. He was, like... He didn't say anything a lot of the time. Yeah. He just seemed very flustered and yeah. it was embarrassing. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, his, yeah, his, his performance is really bad. I mean, it's really obvious that like he just, A, is surrounded by yes men and B, like he's never had to deal with any sort of like actual opposition to anything. Right. Because he's the ninth richest man in the entire world. Mm. And he's giving away probably close to a billion dollars and he's still going to be the ninth richest man in the world. You know what I mean? Do you know what I just thought of? And it's never going to happen in a million years, but I just want you to entertain uh-huh. the fantasy of it. Uh-huh. And it's not going to happen for so many reasons. But one of which being Trump and Pence would never, ever, 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 ever debate anyone. Right. But imagine Mike Pence debating Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> 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 just for a second. Yeah, it would be Just amazing. for a second. It would be incredible. Oh my God. She'd go through him. Uh, so do I have enough time? <laughs> to talk about this. Um, we talked about Bloomberg. Oh, Roger Stone. Should we talk about Roger Stone? Oh, man. Listen, I know 40 months in prison is not as long as most of us would have liked. Okay? Sure. sure. And again, blah, blah, blah. We're not carceral liberals. But mm-hmm. Roger Stone is a cartoon villain. <laughs> and it was very satisfying to hear that the judge sentenced him to 40 months in prison, even though right after that, Roger Stone very quickly moved to disqualify the judge. Right, of course. He filed a petition. Every time somebody posts a picture of Roger Stone in one of his outfits, I it takes me a minute to realize it's not photoshopped. photoshopped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you see <laughs> people live tweeting from the courtroom, or not from the courtroom, but they were like, the judge asked someone to remove their sunglasses. <laughs> and then it's like, gee, who do we think that was? Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I mean, this the whole Roger Stone thing is crazy because like, the there was like the whole thing where like Trump was getting in on it and was like yep. you know trying to like pressure the judges to drop which the is sentence. illegal uh, and then like Bob Barr was like honestly if Trump keeps tweeting I'm gonna have to step down <laughs> it was just like what the fuck is happening like, I what, know what is nobody what is happening like nobody has control over any of this no no um, but I'm putting in the good news section because fuck that guy also he's an elderly man so I know 40 months doesn't sound <laughs> like a lot of time but for someone in the late stages of their life Roger it's a good chunk of time it is I mean honestly like it, it's not a lot of time but also like to me personally the thought of like a month in jail is insane that's the thing what I don't think people understand yeah. it's like um Prison time is not regular time <laughs> right? because you are just sitting in a cell all day with your... Th- Even if you're in like a white collar prison, it yeah. sucks. It sucks. I was thinking like just now I'm thinking like we made the joke at the top of the show about how there wasn't a show last week. So it's been two weeks since the last show. Uh-huh. I was trying to think back to two weeks ago when we recorded. It feels like it happened a thousand, a thousand years, years ago. ago. Time, like, time doesn't work normally anymore. Right. And so I'm We like, don't have winter anymore <laughs> and time is fucked. I, yeah. And so it's just like... I was just thinking, like, if I had spent the last two weeks in jail, it would be insane. And that would be two weeks. Two weeks. And so, like, 40 months is like, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. And look, will Trump throw out that conviction? Probably. Who knows? Probably. But for the time <laughs> being, let's just <laughs> celebrate the fact that uh, Roger Stone's going away for 40 months. He did just, he did just pardon Rob Bogoyevich. Oh, my God. Amazing. I just remember all of that shit going down in Chicago and it was like the end of the world. <laughs> and now when you look back on it, you're like, what a charming scandal. <laughs> what a charming little tift we had with he Rob Bogoyevich. He didn't even Bogoyevich. sell the sentence. He just said he, he was said going He said he would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like that was national news And then he held a series months. of insane press conferences yeah. in which he went like directly to the media to defend himself, which was bananas. <laughs> and everybody was like glued to our laptops watching it. Did you see the clip of after he got out of Rob Ogoyevich on Anderson Cooper. Oh, and Anderson was like, yes. It's just like, what it was he, just, he just was like, this is bullshit. Well, he was also like, Rob Ogoyevich was talking about like, uh, I forget, but he basically was like, Anderson was like, if only you had been in a position of power to do all of this. Yeah. And I was like, he was. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very good burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anderson was good that time. Yes. So, way to go, Vanderbilt. Um, 
So please follow Eric on Twitter at E-R-E-K underscore Smith. That's me. Follow me on Twitter. Follow Light Trees and News. If you like the show, if you enjoy what we're, what we're doing, go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button Hell yeah. to keep us going. I also, as I said, have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. For as little as $5 a month, you can send questions, uh, recommendations, all of that stuff. It's a good time. I thought, about, I thought of a quick uh, a little catchphrase earlier. Oh, okay. When you were saying that people who pay the $5 a month get preferential treatment on yeah. their, like, recs. Pay fives. Yep. Uh, it pays to pay. <gasps> it pays to pay. It pays to pay. I was going to call you all my fave fives. <laughs> fave fives is good. All right. Well, which do you like better? Light Treason Pod. Hashtag Light Treason Pod on Twitter. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>